Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? I'm your host, Chad Knight. This is episode 22. Alright, so let's start with announcements tonight. Uh, I only have the one, Evercon 2017. From the day this this podcast drops, that's seven days, people. So, what does that mean? That means pretty much everything is closed. You can't do, you, you know, your, uh, your uh, early registration is done, your... Um, your uh, running games is done, even though we'll have a plenty of open space that if you want to come in and run, that's great. But all the stuff, all the pre-reg stuff is done. So we have a lot of games right now. We are over 210 um, different things that you can do at Evercon over the three days. We've got RPGs, we've got board games, we've got card games, we have cribbage tournaments, sheephead tournament, tournaments, seminars, and and so much more. Um. We have special guests coming. I've went over those a ton of times, but just to run down, we got Tim Seeley. He is a comic book artist. We have uh, David McGarry. He uh, created the Dungeon Board game. We have Kevin Height um, of RPG fame with such games as Gumshoe and and uh, a bunch of the, um, the Call of Cthulhu stuff, that kind of stuff. We have... <clears throat> Excuse me. We have um, Lloyd Metcalf also coming in, who's an old school uh, Renaissance type artist and um, game designer. He does a lot of uh, different uh, game. Uh, uh, I don't know what you call them. Um, the the pre made books, the canned uh, adventures type things. He does those. He um, he in fact is uh, opening up. Uh, he's doing the Lands of Lunacy, which is one of his newest uh, events. And so we'll have that there as well. Plus, we have food and drink. We are actually offering beer and wine this year for people 21 and over and that care to participate. So, you know, it's all really cool stuff. It's all really exciting. All of us that are running this thing are very tired, but we're doing it for you because we love going to cons. So we're hoping to put on a con that you love going to. All right. Welcome to my mind mare. Uh, the first thing on my mind is I've been recently uh, YouTube. I've been watching a lot of YouTube, and I don't know why. I just it, it's something I've started doing, and I watch very strange things. Like I just before I started this podcast tonight, I watched this uh, this series uh, uh, called I don't even know what the series is called, but this guy took 200 Bic lighters, lit them on fire, and just watched them explode. I don't know why I found that fascinating, but I watched the entire 12 minutes thinking to myself the whole time, why am I watching this? And and I think that's the hook of YouTube is they like to just make you watch stuff that makes you wonder, why do I watch this? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some really cool stuff on YouTube and I've seen some really not so cool stuff on YouTube, but I guess what I can really say is it's not 4chan. So, uh <laughs> 
The other thing I wanted to talk about is New Year's resolutions. Now, last week I told you guys this is the New Year's uh, re- this is the New Year's episode. It drops on December 30th, so it's the closest one you're going to see to the New Year. So I'm going to call this my New Year's episode. Um, my biggest thing is is to work a little more on uh, on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to keep it at a weekly format, but I want to tighten things up, make it a, a more honed, well, well-defined podcast. And I'm actually launching two new podcasts in January as well. Um, both of these I will be doing not as a solo endeavor, but I will be working with other people. The first one is going to be called Musically Challenged. I'm going to be working with my my friend Lou, who um, you guys have all heard on my podcast before. Uh, and we're just going to spend uh, half an hour or so a week talking about different aspects of music um, we will look at artists, we will look at bands, we will look at decades, we will look at genres, we will break it all down in what, in, you know, what our opinions of them are, and, and we'll do it that way. So you can start watching for those in January. And then the other one I'm going to do is a podcast uh, that will be a much longer format. It's called Want to Hear Something Interesting. This I'll be doing with a buddy of mine uh, named Scott. Scott has also been on my podcast. Scott is a teacher, and we're going to do this more as an informational podcast. We will choose a topic. We will do our research. It'll be more of a uh, of a learning, of a teaching type of uh, podcast. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, other New Year's resolutions. I want to get back on that losing the weight train. I, I last uh, over 15 months, um, I had lost like 150 pounds. And I've gained some of that back, so after the first of the year, that's another big thing. Get back on the weight loss train, do that thing. Um, looking to meet new people. I want to get bolder in meeting new people. Um, I want to be able to just walk up to somebody at a convention or something like that and be like, hey, how's it going? You know, you're doing something that I like to do, so let's talk. So we'll see if I can actually do that. Um, and then the last thing on my New Year's resolutions are... Um, and, and I don't know how to explain this one so much, but it's to increase my usefulness overall to people, to my family, to my friends, um, to the people I work with, you know, just to become more engaged with everything that I do. So I told you to tell you what they were, and there you go, told you what they were. So now let's get into our guest. Tonight I have a, um, a woman on, uh, Dawn Muscovitz. Now, I have never met Dawn in person. I have done one podcast with her uh, on geekery in general with Al. Um, but we've started talking quite a bit over social media. So I uh, then said to her, I said, hey, you want to do my podcast? And she said, sure. And I went, great. And then, of course, you live in the uh, in the uh, Fox Valley. I'm in Green Bay, actually. Okay, you're in Green Bay. And yeah. I live in Wausau. So this is one of the first podcasts I've done without Al that is done remotely. So hopefully everything goes well, Dawn, and people <laughs> actually get to listen to this. <laughs> well, I've done a lot of podcasts. Like I, I actually have been podcasting since about 2004. So um, the, I can I can guide you through it if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So uh, this is this is what I call first introduction. So why don't you tell us about yourself, what you do in the real world, because as I say on Almost every episode, this is not the real world. This is uh, internet radio. And yes, I know that's a incorrect term, but that's the one I like to use. 
So uh, I'll turn it over to you. All right. Well, you're actually not entirely inaccurate with the internet radio, at least as far as it goes now, because I think more people listen to podcasts than they do what people consider internet radio, uh, especially when you consider like uh, iTunes and things. But um, I uh, work in insurance, um, mostly in case management. That's my my nine to five, my main bread and butter. But I also uh, teach dance um, part time. I teach tap, ballet, jazz, hip hop, all that stuff to little kids. I I'm also like a freelance belly dancer, <laughs> uh, mostly in the fusion realm as opposed to the glitter that people think of with belly dancers. So like industrial music, metal. Yeah, I belly dance to metal. <laughs> now that's interesting. That, that that might be a topic for a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, that that's my preferred like and uh, industrial music. So and then goth music. Cause I don't I don't belly dance to Arabic music anymore. That died like ten years ago or so. And then um, that's that's what most people know me for um, as far as like professional work type stuff um, is dance and uh, then the insurance industry stuff. So Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to kind of throw you one here. Uh, what are your New Year's resolutions? Do you care to share with us? I absolutely. Um, mostly is – I don't read it. I used to be a big reader. Okay. That was my main thing. And then now – uh, I, I don't devote enough time for it. It's one of those things, if it's important to you, you dedicate time to it. So for uh, this year, I want in two, 2017, I want to do 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes is not much. That's a lunch hour. And since I work from home for my main job, I mm-hmm. figure that's my lunch hour. 30 minutes a day is doable. So I want to read more. That's that's my big one. Um, I want to – I've been talking for forever. I want to get this Etsy shop off the ground. Now, whether it's actually Etsy or one of the other many – things out there it's just i'm using the word etsy right because um, I, I do a lot of sewing if like uh there i have ideas for nerdy dice bags that i don't want to i don't want to put out there and then not get them done but i have these ideas that i want to get you know things to put out there that i can sell vend when i go to conventions and stuff that i need to actually get my do them and then my other big one um is more conventions there's only a couple that I go to regularly. I want to actually do more. I know I kept saying I was going to go to Evercon, but right now it's not in the budget this year, which is why it didn't happen. But, I mean, I go to Dragon Con every year. Well, this year, coming year, I want to make it to Tesla Con. I go to Dai Show and I go to Kitsune. Well, I want to do more conventions. So okay. Yeah, those are my I, big ones. You know, I spent <laughs> uh, like seven years. I had, a, I had a game shop, actually, and I spent like seven years going to a convention a month, minimum. Mm-hmm. And so now my conventions, I, I'm very choosy about my conventions. I'm not big into anime. So, you know, ones like Daisho and, and Kitsune really don't fit my mold. But um, I have started going to Game Hole Con um, down in Milwaukee. Or I'm sorry, down in Madison. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Evercon. Um, and then I do another one called EgoCon in March, which is a Doctor Who type convention. Very yep. sci-fi convention i do that one as well but that's really my convention life now because i just spent so many time so much time going to so many conventions <laughs> that i just kind of got burned out you know i went to gen oh, yeah. con once and to me going to like game hole con is the same uh type of uh interaction i would get at gen con with like so many less people <laughs> that it's it's really um it, it's really my, other than Evercon, that is just where I will be, you know, every year. So, 
Um, let's jump into this day in history, and then we'll get back to you. All right. All right. So this day in history, uh, of course, all my stuff comes from www.history.com slash this day in history. So December 30th, 1922, USSR established. In post-revolutionary Russia, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, the USSR, is established, compromising the Confederation of Russia, Belorussia, Ukraine, and the Transcaucasian Federation, divided in 1936 into the Georgian, Azerbaijan, and Armenian Republics. Also known as the Soviet Union, the new communist state was the successor to the Russian Empire and the first country in the world to be based on Marxist socialism. During the Russian Revolution of 1917 and subsequent three-year Russian Civil War, the Bolshevik Party under Vladimir Lenin dominated the, the Soviet forces, a coalition of workers and soldiers, committees that called for the establishment of a socialist state in the former Russian Empire. In the USSR, all levels of government were controlled by the Communist Party, and the party's Politburo, with its increasingly powerful general secretary, effectively ruled the country. Soviet industry was owned and managed by the state, and agricultural land was divided into state-run collective farms. In the decades after it was established, the Russian-dominated Soviet Union grew into one of the world's most powerful and influential states and eventually encompassed 15 republics, Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, Belorussia, Uzbekistan, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Moldova, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. In 1991, the Soviet Union was dissolved following the collapse of its communist government. Oh, that's the end. Wow, look at me. <laughs> so um, it, it's kind of funny because we were talking a little bit before we started here that you thought your last name was Russian, but it's yep. not. Nope. So um, the reason I picked that is I kind of have this little historical fetish with Russia. Not so much, <laughs> not so much the communist Russia, but the czarist Russia. Mm -hmm. I, I I find it very interesting. Um and, and people involved in that, especially, you know, Anastasia, Nicholas II, Nicholas I, um, Rasputin, he, uh, he's quite the read if you ever read about him. Um, but it's just, uh, I don't know, I have this thing with Russia and nesting dolls. So, you know. The little Maritrushkas? Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a set sitting oh, do you? one of my cabinets, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. All right, so now we're back to you. So now this is the part where we just sit down and we talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. So um, a couple of weeks ago, I gave up on the whole guessing thing and trying to keep track of how many I had right and how many I had wrong, mostly because <laughs> they're all wrong. Um, <laughs> there was a there was a couple where I took the win, you know, or was given the win kind of thing. But uh, so what are we talking about? I figured because given my age, um, which I'll put it out there, most people, I mean, I'm as a, well, given when we're recording, whatever, my birthday coming up right around Christmas, I'm going to be 36. Um, I, as an adult, um, which I granted after 18, you're an adult, but an adult, an older adult, and I'm still actively cosplaying in the in this in the convention scene and quite heavily okay um that's something that's 
quite actually, uh, I would say unusual. Most people are in their their lower their early twenties for that. Um, and I thought, well, most people don't know that I do that because my coworker certainly didn't until this year because I don't have the baby share photos. I don't have any kids, so I'm like, well, <laughs> right. I'm gonna share my cosplay photos with my coworkers, and yeah, that's what I've go. been doing. So I'm like, well, let's. I figure, well, you know what? I will. I'll go ahead and go all out. I have a cosplay page, and I've been just sharing everything this year. So why not go out there and talk about what it is to be somebody in your? Well, now I'm past my the midpoint of my 30s as a cosplayer. <laughs> well, you know, as far as age goes, we're not that different in age. I'm 40. Um, cosplay has never really been a thing of mine, unless you consider dressing up, you know, for Halloween. Um. And, and I know some people consider that, well, that's just cosplaying with a, with a reason, you know, and um, I've never really think, been, go ahead. I was going to say, it's, oh, it, it doesn't really matter what, what, whatever it is, what it wants to call it. Cause some people don't even consider it cosplay, they call it costuming. Like if you go to the Ren Fair or the SCA, right. it's just the word, whatever word choice you use for it. But you know, and when I was younger, my wife and I, we did, we did uh Ren Fest, um, you know, where I'd put on. 30 pounds of chain mail and, <laughs> and, you know, pants that were very uncomfortable because they were made in the style of when that really happened and all that kind of fun stuff. But to be honest, you know, I would have never considered that cosplay, but it very much is. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of people don't realize is the, the, uh, the expanse of what it, it's the word. I think that turns a lot of people off because they think of the little Japanese anime, like cosplayers, what they associate it with. I mean, if you use the word costumer, it that that comes into theatrical type costuming where you think of you know the ren fairs you think of people that are dressing up for pretty much anything that whether it's not necessarily halloween but you know when i did the krampus loft a couple weeks a couple weeks back where we were dressing up as like christmas elves and things and going on the krampus walk which is basically an austrian uh, tradition. People dress up as krampus and then you had you know mrs claus and all them walking around keeping krampus in line that's costuming right. people. It's it's you're you're dressing up as a character and acting it or posing and getting photos taken as a character. It's pretty much the same thing. The difference that really is, is what word choice you use for it. Right. And that was going to be one of my questions when when you brought up the topic. You know, that's the first thing I do is I've got to go through my head and go, OK, what are the questions I'm going to ask? <laughs> now, someone like me, I have spent um, years. And when I mean years, I mean, I started acting on the stage when I was eight. Mm -hmm. And I have acted ever since, and I've done well over 30 shows uh, in my life. And, you know, when I get dressed up and I become a character, is that cosplaying? It it depends whatever word you choose to. It could be if that's the word you choose to use. You could consider yourself just an actor costuming and wearing that costume. A lot of people get really overly sensitive about the word choice. Mm -hmm. Um Generally, when you're like in our age group, they don't use the word cosplay unless they really choose to. They call it costuming. But I use the word cosplay just because it gets me the exposure that I want. Because mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of at this point where I like having um, – I have photographers that take my picture at conventions. And if I use the word cosplay, it's easier to get the photographers to come and take the professional photos. So that way – if I use that right word, it draws the right people towards me. Uh -huh. Whereas if I, if I feel more elitist about it and go, no, I'm a costumer, then I don't get the people that I want drawn towards me. So it's kind of how you self-advertise. So I try not to be too um, particular about it. But So it's really a word choice of what you want to call it based on 
the individual groups that you are, are aiming for. Because right. if there's a group of 20-year-olds that are out there, you know, looking at your costuming website, they're not going to be in the mindset that, well, maybe she could help me with my cosplay. Right. Well, it also probably depends upon what you're looking. If they're looking for, like, historical, they're probably looking costuming. Mm -hmm. If they're looking fandom, they're probably looking cosplay. So if I'm doing um, something, if I'm doing, like, a... Like, for example, at Dragon Con, even though um, the group I belong to, the Greek mythology at Dragon Con, which I do every year, that is a historical costume. We consider that costuming, that particular group, because it's a historical costume. It's uh -huh. less cosplay and more costuming in that group because we're not doing Disney's Hercules or uh, the Xena Hercules TV show. We are specifically a historical costuming group for that group. So that is a costuming group. But when I did the Disney's Merlin costume. And I did full white beard to the floor and everything that nice. was cosplay. Cause I did. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a warm costume that that's cosplay because it's a fandom. So it's kind of where people seem to draw the line is between historical or, you know, and fandom and stage tends to be costuming versus cosplay. So. Because I know like this year for Evercon, this is the first year in, in many, many years that we're not doing a, cosplay contest okay um we just it sounds really stupid even though we're in a much bigger space we just don't have the space for it um the the place that we're renting out this year is insanely expensive and every square foot costs us you know oh yeah so we have we have just enough square footage to do what we're doing and and we didn't think it was always that big of a thing because you get 10 or 12 people on stage you know for this contest to win a $25 gift card or whatever it was, you know, each year. But the, the and I don't want to say backlash because people aren't upset about it, but they're just kind of confused by the fact that we're not doing it. And it's like, you know, there's, there's always next year and all, you know, then that's, that's kind of the line we take is, you know, it's always next year we can look at it, you know, and if there's enough people, like we're doing a big, uh, we're putting together a big, um, uh, questionnaire that people can answer at the end to help us, you know, get what people want. Cause we're, we're just five people and we're like, okay, this is what's worked at Evercon before. And this was what hasn't worked and you know, all that kind of fun stuff. But, um, you know, how big is the, I mean, obviously in, in the convention world, cosplay is very big, but mm -hmm. how big is it, um, in the real world, if you know what I mean? I mean, um, out, like outside of like just the outside of the conventions, right? It's become quite an industry, surprisingly. Um, well, if you look, take like Yaya Han, who is probably like one of the biggest names in the professional cosplayers, which professional cosplay is kind of something that blows my mind. I can't, but then I can't. The idea of professional YouTubers also blows my mind, so I can't like wrap my brain around that concept either. <laughs> yeah, when I, I was talking <laughs> to my daughters about YouTubers, and they're like. Yeah, there's this guy, and he makes like $4 million a year. I'm like... Yeah, PewDiePie. I can't handle it. I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and, he's, and he does what? He gets on, and he does like 10-minute videos of stupidity and... Videos screaming at video games. I can't... I don't understand. It's like, I feel like get off my lawn at this point. I'm only in my 30s. I don't understand any of this. <laughs> hey, but... don't worry. I started about 36. That's, you know... <laughs> Right, yeah, but I'm looking and I'm like, but anyway, she's she makes these beautiful costumes. I've met her. She's she's wonderful and she's gorgeous. But she now has her own line of costume patterns. And at Joanne's, you can buy fabric that has her name like stamped on the fabric line. And I'm like, 
okay, it's a whole industry now. And I just don't understand it, but there it is. And I know that they make like, there's the, there's a line of, uh, models that's all they do is they make calendars and stuff and themselves in fandom costumes and they make so much money it's just weird but that's what they do all this tells me is i'm in the wrong damn business (laughs) right skimpy girls in all these costumes and stuff and i just do it for fun for me (laughs) it, it it i just look at it as i these are characters that i um i embrace and i really enjoy with like the the uh the material like uh that's the word i'm looking for like what they come from the the fandom or the story or whatever. Right. And I really appreciate that character. And that's how I show my love for it is putting all the work into creating the costume that it comes from. Right. You, so. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, you do it that way. I'm a role player. So how do I do it? I, I incorporate things from movies and TV shows and stuff that I like into the story I tell. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just a way, I, I guess, like you said, it's just a way that you show your love for said you know, for this, that, or the next thing, which is, I mean, and it's fine. I, I really don't have a problem with cosplay as in what it is. My problem with it is, and this is where, this is where I get to become the get, get the hell off my lawn guy (laughs) is sometimes they get so revealing. Oh God. You know, that it's almost indecent. The, the attention girls where you're like you're wearing that just for attention and they'll say you're judging them but it's clear that they're wearing it for attention there's it's i don't and i don't even know where to go with it i look at them and i'm like okay it's, it's clear that you're wearing underpants and a bra and i don't know if that's supposed you're claiming it's a costume but you're just you're wearing that so people will fawn all over you and take your picture. You're wearing it for attention, honey, and nothing else. But and okay. The minute, and the minute somebody says that it's not for that, well, then right away they're the ones judging you. Right. It's just I I just shake my head and I go okay whatever. And that's that it. You know I mean people and then they get mad when people creep on them and I'm like but you're here in your underpants. People are gonna creep on you. It's just <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not excusing the behavior, but what did you expect to happen? It's like leaving a sandwich on the floor and getting mad at your dog for eating it. I mean, what did you expect would happen? Yeah. Come no. on now. <laughs> no, I, I, exactly. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, as a guy, and, and I'm probably throwing all the guys in the world under the bus here, is... I'm, bi- hey, I'm, I'm, a, I, people, I'm, I'm open about being bisexual. I'm looking at the girls, too, and going, you look really nice. I really wish you weren't wearing only that in public right now. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like... There, there's something in our genetic build that we're going to look. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's it's not because we're creepy old guys. Well, maybe we are. But it's not. Well, then because... I'm creepy right with you. I'm creepy right with you because I'm looking. I'll tell you. You know, I'm, I'm a happily married man. I would never cheat on my wife. And I'm not just saying that because we're on a podcast. <laughs> but I'm going to look. And my wife knows I'm going to look. You know, it's just, it's just. Sometimes it's like, and then they're so young, or they seem so young. Oh, they're usually pretty. They're usually like eighteen, nineteen. They're real. They're at that point where they just really want the attention, and they'll tell you that's not what they're doing it for, but they really want the attention. You know, and to me, that's young because my oldest daughter is turning seventeen. Yeah. Uh, you know, in a few days, and um, you know, I I can't fathom anybody looking at her in that way. You know, at my age. 
I, I have very beautiful daughters, and it scares the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, you know, there was a time when I was like, oh, look at her. She's 18. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, oh, look at her. She's 18. What is she doing? <laughs> yeah. Isn't you're just kind of, and I'm looking at it going, I could have a daughter your age. Stop it. Right. Ugh. Yeah. It's just, it's just, oh. But anyway, enough of me being that uh, curmudgeonly old man, as my wife likes to tell me. I'm in the same boat. It's okay. <laughs> but um, so... And I'm standing next to him in a Faye Valentine costume. I really can't say much. So, <laughs> And that's a pretty revealing costume, and I'm standing right next to him. So, <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, you go into it with the full knowledge that somebody's going to look at you. The chances are somebody's going to look at you in that and costume. And take my picture and run into the bathroom, which is totally creepy and disgusting, but I know it's happening. So. Exactly. <laughs> it's happened. That's why I'm like, ew, but okay. I knew that was going to happen going into this. So. Right. And, and I think when they're really young, then they do that kind of stuff. It's like they don't quite understand or at least they don't understand fully what they're getting into. No, they don't. And and then and then they truly think somebody's creeping on them. But in reality, it's just it's, it's just human nature. Yeah, exactly. And my daughters get so mad at me when I say stuff like that. They're like, "That doesn't excuse it." And I always go, "No, it doesn't excuse what they're doing. But this is why they're doing it." Yeah. You know. And I don't know. I guess that's what I get for having two outspoken teenage daughters. And that's the way my wife and I raised them. So, you know, it's going to happen. Yep. But um, so when it comes to uh, cosplay, yep. what is it What is it about cosplay that drew you in? Because, I mean, there had to be a time in your life when you didn't cosplay. There was. And at that point, I was doing a lot of stuff on stage. I was da- I, um, I, I danced. I danced in college. I was a dance major. Actually, at Stevens Point, so not far from where you are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was on stage a lot. And I... Believe it or not, I'm relatively shy for as outspoken as I am. <laughs> and I like hiding behind co- costumes and things. It helps me interact with people. So when the first time I went to Dragon Con in 2006, I went with one costume. And all it was was a medieval dress that I had for um, like the Empire Wasty type medieval dress thing okay. that I had that I think I wore to uh, Bristol once. I had this long silver and green velveteen cloak that I made, um, and I brought that, and then I had some Wuchi brand elf ears. So, And then I went to all the Lord of the Rings stuff, like all of it. Okay. So I basically, I basically had this like half-assed uh, elf cosplay. Okay. Um, just to and I because I was so shy and if you don't know at that point in 2006 I think the average um, attendance at Dragon Con was like around 50,000 people or something. Now Dragon Con is in Atlanta, right? Yep. Okay. And I and I was shy. I wasn't really talking to any strangers or anything. I only hung out with a couple of roommates. Um, but I was still going to. So I go to panels on my own, but I didn't talk to anybody. I just kind of went. And the second I put that, the like the ears on and the stuff, I realized I was a lot more confident talking to absolute strangers. And I went to the evening at Brie party, okay. um, which was a, like a late night dance party that Emerald Rose was playing at. And I knew the band Emerald Rose because they'd been to uh, the a couple festivals I'd been to. So I was familiar with Arthur and the band members. 
And I got loaded at this party and in costume, getting loaded, drinking with a bunch of people. I was so confident talking to everybody <laughs> that I realized that behind this costume, I was just like, I could be anything. I was happy being, I would talk to, I ran around. I was talking to, you know, people at the walk of fame, which is where the celebrities are. I just didn't care. Okay. And I, that's where every, so every year I started bringing like one. And then about four years ago, four or five years ago, I'm like, we're going to start bringing a lineup. Meaning I brought at least one costume for, per day, at okay. least one. Well, okay. now I'm bringing like three costumes per day. I have like, uh, like a late morning and afternoon and then a party costume like every day. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> so I have costume changes now, but wow, you spend, you spend most of your time just changing costumes, huh? I don't go to panels much anymore because most of the panels are pretty boring and celeb panels. Um, people ask the same damn stupid questions, every panel, every convention. So yep. <laughs> that's not <laughs> so different I'm, for geeks either. <laughs> no, no, it's really not. And it doesn't matter what convention you're going to, but I spend most of my time at conventions, hanging out with other cosplayers, going to costuming, um, like events like not and I don't mean like competitions I don't want to have any interest in that but learning new techniques like I learned I went to several corsetry events learning how to make corsets and learning how to make hats so I'm learning new techniques I go to stuff like that and hands-on okay. um I've met some and conversed so many times with so many different like uh celebrity folks like from different actors and some of them remember us year from year I don't know if that's a good thing but well, you know, I, I kind of have a story like that too, but it's to me it was it was it was very flattering and and because of the guy who remembered who I was and he's now passed on, but I'm sure you've heard the name Gary Gygax. Yeah, I heard your story. He's awesome. He is. He he is your quintessential, you know, grandpa uh dirty old man. I mean, he yeah. just but he was a, he was a blast, and when I walked up to his table because I'm starstruck by him, and he's like, "I remember you," you know, that just to me that was just like, "Oh my," you know, that was the closest I ever came to you know being verklempt. <laughs> Craig Parker remembered us after two years. Craig Parker, he's on Rain. I think Rain's actually been. I think Rain is done. It okay. was on a CW. He played Lord Narcisse, and he was in Lord of the Rings. He played Haldir. And, uh, he's, a, we sat for one year. Well, we talked to him several times, several years in a row, but my friends and I don't really have, um, we don't treat the actors like celebrities. They're just people to us, mm -hmm. just actual everyday people. But my friend Rosie was in the movie Serenity and she knows that cast on a first name basis. Um, and that's partially, and, and I mean like legitimately like Adam Baldwin has screamed her name across a ballroom to get her attention kind of first name basis. So we have no tact with those guys. We just kind of yell at them and whatever. Like I've right. told off, I've told off Adam Baldwin. It's a fantastic story sometime. I'll be happy to share it with you, but cause he left set my Rubik's back absolutely drunk at three in the morning and I had to get up at five o'clock. I was not happy, but so I had, so we were just talking to Craig Parker and he was gone for two years from Dragon Con because he had to do filming. I think okay. it was on Rain or something else. The next year he came back and we were talking to, I think, Victor Webster or something and just talking. And we turned around because we hear somebody go, hey, it's our lemon, my lemon ladies. Because one year we had these yellow t-shirts on. We were all eating candy and they had like little lemon candies or whatever. And he would give him candy. We were talking to him. We turned around because he remembered us. And I'm like, it's been two years, Craig. How do you remember us? I don't know if that's a good thing. Or not, but he's just the sweetest little kiwi, really. It was just, it's wonderful. So, <laughs> all right, all right. But so, yeah, yeah. Back to cosplay. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, and 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 the way this kind of runs is, I mean, you've listened to the podcast before. Yeah. It's like it may start with a topic, but it doesn't always stay there. But basically, but, I wouldn't have been that confident to meet all like the, the the friends and roommates that I'm with now uh-huh. are people that I've met because behind the costume I was comfortable enough to go and talk to all these strangers at these because now Dragon Con is somewhere like eighty eight thousand people. There's it's elbow to elbow people. Wow. All over. <laughs> that's bigger than that's bigger than Gen Con. Yeah, it's massive. It's ridiculous. It spans five hotels and a and like uh, the America's Mart is where like all the gaming and all the vendors and stuff are. It's ridiculous. Like they're taking over downtown Atlanta. <laughs> well, at least Atlanta should be big enough to to deal with it. Um, I think Gen Con is. They just did sixty thousand this last year. I think it was, and. You know, they're already talking that Indiana, Indianapolis may not be big enough to keep them. And so, I don't know. I think they've got, I think they've got three years or something like that left on their lease with the city. And then they may be, uh, rumor has it they may be going to Seattle, which would kind of suck. But, Ugh. yeah. Um, I mean, not that I go to Gen Con, you know, on a regular basis, but that would just kind of like completely take it off the radar for me because it's like, that's That'd a take long... it off the radar for a lot of people because it would take it out of the center of the country and move right. it to the coast. Yeah, I mean they're they they become very west centric and you would lose a lot of the east coast people and you know anything. Well, they've, east of they've the already got they've already got packs over there. They've got packs over there in Emerald City Comic Con. What else do they need over there? They they also have an LA um they have an LA uh, Gen Con. There's actually... well, they've got all in San Diego and all that, but I mean like specifically game related, they've got packs it's in 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 Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I don't know. I think PAX is in Seattle, isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what PAX is, is, but. It's either in Seattle or Portland, but it's like right there, so. Well, but Wizards of the Coast, um, you know, who pretty much own Gen Con now. Yeah. um, Are based out of Seattle, which is why that that talk's going around. But I don't know. It's, I think that would kill them, you know, at least at the size that they are. They wouldn't be able to stay that big. By doing that, they would just lose too much from the west or from the east coast. Yep. But um, okay, so that's what got you into cosplay. Mm-hmm. What is the what's the one thing about the uh, the the hobby that you really don't like? The part, well, the part that I don't like, I think, is it's expensive. <laughs> All good hobbies are. And- yeah, and where I am, there's really the stuff that I need isn't accessible. That I mean, that's the biggest problem, especially like now that Hancock Fabrics is gone. Like all that I have here is Joanne, and okay. Joanne doesn't have anything. Like for example, the fabrics that I need for one costume, I just had to order fabric samples online from three different companies and hope that one of them will work. Because nothing, Joanne doesn't have anything. Hobby Lobby doesn't have anything that I need. I if I'm making a corset. I have to order steel boning from Pennsylvania because I can't get anything I need here. Nothing's local to where I am in the country. Like nothing's local here. Vogue Fabrics has some stuff. They're out of Chicago (laughs) if I need anything from Vogue Fabrics. But they cost three times as much as stuff does on the East Coast. It's like this little little area of the country is ridiculous for finding anything. That that kind of that kind of surprises me that you couldn't find what you need at places like Joanne. Is it is it patterns? Is it? Um, I make my own patterns at this point. Okay, I design so all my own stuff. It's, it's just it's the quality. Joanne's is designed for your 
uh, like uh, your Sunday driver type hobbyist, not your hardcore um, person. So like if I'm looking for a, uh, a durable type of a silk that's going to get me through more than a weekend wear, I cannot buy that from Joann's. It is going to be the worst quality because it's just not, it's not good. And half the time they don't have the colors that I need either. So, and they, the, I can't use plastic boning because plastic boning will snap. It's bad quality. It's not, it's not good. It'll break when it gets a little warm. It's, it's horrible. You need steel. Okay. Um, they just don't have half of the supplies. I need a presser foot for my sewing machine. Joann's doesn't even carry it online. I have to order it from somewhere else. It's just ridiculous. The stuff that they don't have. So it's like you have to go find specialty shops somewhere to find anything. It's just, it's in, it's kind of insane. We're in right. kind of a little dead zone here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I find that with a lot of things, unfortunately, you know, we're, I, I don't know if it's just because of the lifestyles, you know, most people tend to be more of the blue collar. I don't know if it's that, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, but you're right. This, this, with every hobby, you find those kind of dead zones. You know, I'll hear about a game and I'll go to the local game store and I'll say, hey, do you got this? And they're like, what's that? You know, um, and nothing against them, but they carry what's being played here, you know. Mm -hmm. So I end up doing a lot of a lot of game finding online myself. So I, I, I know what it's I know what it's like. Um, all right. So what's the one thing about cosplaying that? you really like other than the social aspect of it, the actual, you know, process of putting stuff together, doing things. What is there, what is there about it that you really like? Oh, I love learning new things. There is so much, um, because I'm kind of a, I'm kind of obsessive, uh, about learning about like new techniques and stuff. I mean, the fact that I did ballet from the time that I was three until like onward now does is part of that. But like, I learn new techniques constantly. Like I bought a heat gun last year. So a good heat gun so that I could like work on improving how I work with thermoplastics to make like the crowns and all these little props. So I have a good heat gun that goes up to like, I think 1500 degrees or something so that I can really mold these thermoplastics to exactly how I need them. And I can melt PVC with this and like bend it. And it's just insane the stuff I can do with it. And I'm looking at going, these are things that I never would have thought 10 years ago I would ever be doing. I would never be making uh, an accurate um, set of stays from the Rococo era, which is what I'm going to be doing for this Rococo punk 80s costume I'm going to be making this year. And I'm looking going, these are, this is insane. These techniques that I'm doing, I'm going to be making a hat. Millinery work is something I never would have considered I'd be taking on. And I'm doing it because these are techniques that are, for most people, they consider dead. People, people are doing them through machines. And I'm going, no, I'm making this with my hands. I can say I did this by hand. And it's fantastic. And it's an awesome new crazy technique that I'm learning. And it's, I'm never bored. It's like, oh, I think I'm going to learn to, I don't know, make a hat today or I'm going to learn to make shoes. And mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Now, now when, awesome. you, when, you, when you make a hat, now mm -hmm. traditionally hats were done and a lot of the process was done with mercury. What have they done? Because I have no idea how to make a hat. What do they do now? To you? Because they used mercury for stiffening, I believe. Yeah, that's a different kind of glue now. Okay. Um, the stiffener is, and there's different kinds of stiffener. Um, I have to order some stuff from a, a there's a, a couple websites that I got, but they, you can get the, like the hat, I'm going to get the hat form and that you basically stretch, you work on, you stretch the felt and all that where you want. And then there's different kinds of stiffener you can use depending on how you want it. 
But uh, they've changed the formula up so there's no mercury involved anymore because that's where you know the mad as a hatter came yep, from because exactly. you're inhaling all the mercury and yep. getting it. Yep. And soaking uh, it through your hands and yeah, <laughs> all that kind of fun stuff. But now at least I I know where I can go to have somebody make me a top hat. <laughs> I've been I, I've wanted it like a steampunk top hat for years. The problem is when you find them in hat shops. Mm -hmm. Oh my. God, are they expensive? Yeah, because it was because when you there, they can be. There's so much work involved, but yeah, I'm gonna make because I'm gonna make a costume for TeslaCon next year, and I'm gonna figure out what I want to do with my hat. So I gotta find a. I'm gonna make a hat block for myself and start working on a hat. But I gotta plan out my costume too. So. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. But now I know where when I when I get that itch again, I'll be like, Hey, Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how much it would cost me to make me this, and then I'll send you a picture. I'll be nice enough to at least give you an idea of what I want. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, so, okay. So what is it? Um, there, there's obviously different groups of people when it comes to cosplay. I mean, mm -hmm. you've got your historical cosplayers. You've got your, um, your anime cosplayers. I'm sure there are... Um, and they might fall under historical, like the people that dress up like certain D&D characters and things like that. Which is your niche? Where where do you really fall in? I am kind of all over the board. I mean, like I said, I have the Greek mythology group that I do. And like this year, I've got this insane Aphrodite costume I have planned. I'm going to hand bead like half like shells into half of it. And it's just going to be ridiculous. But then I kind of, I mean, I have, I don't really do any anime. I mean, there's some. Mm -hmm. But anime is not really my niche because I did. I know I said I did Faye Valentine, but that honestly, that's um, Cowboy Bebop is one of the few animes I really, really enjoy. Okay. <laughs> like cause... to the point where I would cosplay from it. Like I don't really get into anime any of it where I go, oh, I think I mean, you'll never see me go. I want to do Sailor Moon. That's never going to happen. Never. <laughs> it's just not. That's not. No, um, I I will say. um Comics is probably a big one because I have a lot of I have a lot of especially um, like Marvel DC, but there is there's been indie comics I've done cosplays from. Um, so comics is probably my biggest niche. But then there's also weird like the weird stuff. Like I think I've got oh I'm gonna be in a group that's doing stuff from um, like uh, oh Golden Girls. We're doing a Golden Girls cosplay this year. A group. A Dragon Con. Okay, now now I gotta think. And I'm trying to figure out which one you're gonna be, and I'm gonna. <laughs> Let's see. What was her name? Not the the the, the fancy one. Um. Uh. Oh, Rue McClanahan played her. Um. <laughs> you're right though, because you said Rue McClanahan. Blanche. Blanche. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't yeah, think I. Blanche. Like I said, I've never met you, but. From what I've seen pictures, I don't think you're tall enough to be B. Arthur. No, no. <laughs> the taller girl in our group is gonna be um is gonna be Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to love the Golden Girls. Uh, there you go, world. <laughs> I like the Golden Girls. <laughs> Who doesn't like the Golden Girls? I, I don't know. I, I I they were great, especially for the era when that show mm -hmm. was on. They were yep. perfect. They were that you know the sassy old ladies in the eighties. You know, it was just it was. Perfect timing, I think, for a show like that. But anyway, um, excuse me while I scratch my eye. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So what is – so comics. 
Okay, what's your what was the strangest cosplay you've ever done? Strangest. Okay. And um, maybe not to you, but to like the the world in general, I guess. Well, I've got the strangest looks doing Professor Plum from the Clue movie because it took them a while to figure out who I was until the rest of the group showed up. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was also the warmest costume I've ever worn. Because it was a, a full man's three-piece suit. Right, with right. The, the wig and everything. Um, what else? What else though? I'm trying to think of anything else like really strange. And Amaterasu from Wicked Divine, until, unless people read the comic, they had no idea what I was wearing. Okay. That, and that's an image comic. That's it's in, from Image Comics. It's okay. Kind of a, yeah. Yeah, I, um, actually one of my favorite comics, Hack Slash, is uh, <laughs> Image Comage. Comics. They, are, they got some good comics. Image yeah. is great. Yeah, I like Image. Um, I think they're also doing uh, Tim Seeley, the guy that I was talking about. Um, he's actually a Wassa native. Okay. Um, and I've met him several times. He was at Evercon last year. He'll be back this year. But um, he did a series called Hack Slash, which is basically um, a uh, uh, this girl, uh, Cassie Hack. She's a she's your classic slasher. Mm-hmm. You know, she kills, but she only kills other slashers. So kind of a whole Dexter kind of vibe to it. Um, so that was that's kind of a cool one. And he just started a new series called Revival, which I think is also Image, but I wouldn't quote me on that, which is actually based in Wassa, which is really kind of weird when you read it. Is you it? Know? I've seen it. I've seen it. I haven't. I haven't picked it up. I'm so far behind on comics. I think I've got like four short boxes. I've got to catch up on reading right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. See, and I don't do <laughs> I don't do individual comics. I buy the omnibuses. Oh, I, I, I have a impulse issue. I have to keep like reading them as they're going. I have to, I just can't handle it. Oh, uh, and but, especially if it's a guy, if it's a, if it's a comic writer that I know and like, I'll just wait for the first omnibus to come out. Cause I'm just like, I know I'm going to like it. And, uh, you know, it's easier for me. I'll sit down and binge read a omnibus versus sitting down and binge reading like seven comics or whatever, you know, whatever comes in an omnibus. <clears throat> and that depends on the comic, of course, but so, have you ever done any really mainstream comic book characters? I did Poison Ivy for last year. Okay. And I did it with a full Victorian demi-bust corset that I made. It took me 150 hours to make that corset. Oh, my <laughs> and, God. <laughs> it had 28 steel bones all the way through it. It was surprisingly comfortable. Um, and then I was – and I had heels and everything. It was a beautiful costume. I got uh, – I got to check off one of my uh, cosplay bucket list items, which was get my picture taken by the Atlanta Fashion Police. So that was nice. Cool. Um, and uh, it was it was a gorgeous costume. I loved it. The wig weighed three pounds. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and uh, it it was uh, the wig was amazing. I I joked that you know shit's getting real when I pull out the glue. When I took out the picture working out the wig because I had braids and stuff everywhere and flowers okay. and and vines and stuff. But um, I have retired the costume now because I wore it like six times last year. And it's it, it's it's pretty it's a lot to wear. I'll probably do another Poison Ivy in the future because she is one of my favorite like semi villains in the DC universe. So I don't okay. really consider I don't totally consider her a villain. And I can see she, that kind of kind of on the same line as I don't consider Catwoman necessarily a villain. Right, because she's like, because she's like, like Poison Ivy's a villain, but she really just wants to be left the heck alone. So like, she is, but she's not. So mm-hmm. I love her, but 
Um, but then I also I did I did the new version of Dazzler this last year too, um, from A Force, and she's got this weird like pink and blonde mullet. Okay. So, um, and she's wearing like a punk outfit with like studs all over and like like motorcycle boots and only two people recognized me at dragon con with those two people made it so worth it because this one guy came running up to me he goes oh my god are you dazzler i'm like yes because <laughs> <laughs> i love dazzler she was one of my first comic book uh one of the first comic books i ever collected when i was little okay uh her solo series was the first her and then the west coast avengers were what i started collecting comics on and that's so funny when people go, really? And I'm like, hey, I was a little kid, and that is what I fell in love with and got me into comics. Shut up. So there we go. And yeah. I have them all. I have the entire series of both of them still in my closet. So <laughs> I was my, – my first comic series that I started with was, uh, was X-Men um, – oh, what the hell was it? It was X-Men – Damn, I can't even remember. But I remember every every week I would save my allowance because I could go to the grocery store with my mom, and that was one of the comic books I could get. And, you know, that's how I got into comic books. Now, I don't read comic books nearly as heavy as I did when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16. But um, I, still, I still have a soft spot. I, I have – my favorite comic book character is Aquaman. And talk uh, talk his, about getting shit for having a comic book hero of Aquaman. Oh, but he's so badass. He well, I'm I'm interested uh, to see what he's going to look like in the Aquaman movie. <clears throat> he looks so good. Jason Moma looks so good. Like, but, uh, when where do I audition to play Mara? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, you know, I saw the preview after one of the last Marvel movies. And my only my only concern, and this is just me being a classic uh, comic book guy, is why is he not blonde? Um, I am okay with that because he looks like he actually has been sitting in salt water. That is my only reason for accepting him that he's not blonde. And Jason Momoa looks like he could rip everything to, to shreds. Because honestly, Aquaman per the comics should be able to destroy everything and a little blonde surfer dude wouldn't be able to destroy everything the way Aquaman should. So uh, if they would have had like Justin Hartley in there, I would have probably cried. I am so <laughs> glad Jason Moma looks like he could destroy everything. I want to see him like smack the crap out of like, like Clark or something. I really do. So yeah. I'm totally okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. He could wreck at me and everything and I'd be okay with it. He's also really nice. I I've met Jason Moma. He's wonderful. Okay. So, <laughs> he's really nice so i'm okay with it now um, i i do know one comic that you and i share a love for and that's deadpool oh i love deadpool i love the movie was so great i love deadpool i will read deadpool anything <laughs> i have started picking up deadpool comics and they are fantastic now before the movie i had never read a deadpool thing really I knew, really i oh. knew that deadpool was supposedly you know this bad bad boy kind of anti-superhero he's not really a superhero when you get down to it um he's just a pissed off guy that's out for revenge um but he's hilarious and um i just got done reading one of the omnibuses and I, it, it was a non-stop laugh and it's like he's doing these horrible things and all you do is laugh <laughs> which one are you reading is it just a straight or is it one of the specials it was just a straight 
Okay. Because there's the Deadpool versus Hawkeye or Hawkeye versus Deadpool or whichever way the word goes is is amazing. It's like a Halloween special that came out like like a year, a couple years ago. Okay. And because Hawkeye's deaf, it makes it even better when you realize all the little like nuances throughout it. It's so great. It really is. It's just fantastic. I love it. All right. So what is the what is your favorite cosplay that you've ever seen? That I've ever seen. Yes. Um, oh, there's so, they're, usually they're crossovers. Usually they're really clever crossovers, like uh, Princess Batman and uh, Prince Joker, like uh, together, like ballroom dancing together, like through. That was pretty brilliant. Like the crossover ones make me happy. Okay. When they're, when they're really clever, and it's like hard to think of one like off the top of my head, but I'll look at them and be like, "That's amazing," because I like clever puns. Mm-hmm. Puns make me happy. Um, <laughs> well, if, I can tell I, you now, you get along with my wife. <laughs> well, because I like really well done cosplays, but lots of people can do well done cosplays. But if you can make me go, that, that is funny. That, I mean, especially since I like Deadpool, it's, it, it's just great. And then, like, there's always the Deadpool conga line at Dragon Con, which will have like a hundred, like a couple hundred people in Deadpool, and they're all doing something different. And there usually is a pun involved. I'm like, I love it. I love clever costumes. I mean, because I can make a good costume, but it's usually not clever. Okay. But I like clever costumes, so um, yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, I like really well done ones, but I also really really like clever costumes. Clever costumes make me laugh, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So what's what's your favorite cosplay that you've done that you've made and done? Um, I my favorite that I have done is twofold. I, okay. it's actually this last year. I am, my favorite was this year's version of Hera. Um, it's the third year in a row I've done Hera and this year I was the most proud of it. Um, because I redid the crown and I redid the staff and I think they looked spectacular. And the photo, the photography that, um, our, our photographer for the Greek mythology group every year is a gentleman named Lionel Lum. And he lets us do whatever we want with the pictures. He doesn't watermark them or anything. He's like, just do whatever. So they're on my my cosplay page, and the, I just think they look fantastic. And the pictures turned out beautiful, and it just the crown looked great. The last two years, I wasn't happy with it, but everything just turned out so good. We were on the CW in Atlanta this year for the parade, so it ended up on TV, and everything just looked it just fell into place so well. I look at it, and I'm there's not a part of that costume I'm not happy with. Everything oh, looks so great. I'm that's the first time I can look at it and say I'm happy with every part of this. <laughs> um, the second part is I'll have to say the Faye Valentine because it's the most revealing costume I've ever put together, and I was happy enough with how I looked to wear it. Um, because anybody that's familiar with Faye Valentine from Cowboy Bebop knows that she wears a pretty revealing costume and it's stretch vinyl, so it's it, there's not much to hide in that outfit. Um, and I, I wore it, I was more nervous wearing it to Kitsune Con here in Green Bay than I was to Dragon Con because people locally, I was like, well, people I know are going to see me in this outfit. Right, right. Which did happen. Um, and someone creeped on me a little bit that I knew from many, many years ago and it kind of freaked me out and I was like, ugh. But um, whatever, it happens. And then at Dragon Con, the, the most wonderful thing happened because generally everybody down there for a big convention 
everybody's so nice. You don't really get rude people that often because people are like, I love your fave Valentine and this is wonderful. And somebody yelled from an escalator down wanting to high five. And I'm like, I heard him almost too late. So it was like a reach high five down as the escalators are passing. It was so, it was so <laughs> wonderful. Everybody was so accepting. And so um, they're like, that's great. Cause people don't see that cosplay that often. So when they recognize it and see it, they're so happy to see it. Because it's such, it's almost a vintage anime at this point, which is kind of sad. It makes me feel old, but it's that same, like, our age group is like, oh, that anime is great. Thank you for cosplaying that. And I felt really confident in it. The more um, people that recognized it were happy to see it. And the more confident I feel, the more, the happier, the better my posture is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I'm glad I wore this because it helped my confidence. So now I'm, I'm less worried about what I wear next year because i don't really have anything i don't think all that uh revealing plan next year i'm looking at my my cosplay maybe list right <laughs> and nothing on it's really uh revealing but still it it makes me feel good to know that i did that and i was comfortable with it now i can relax because that was probably the worst of it <laughs> so yeah and, and you know it really is especially with with any, well, anything, any clothes you decide to wear, it's do I have the confidence and, and what gives me that confidence. So, mm -hmm. um, all right, last last big question I have is let's say I wanted to get into doing cosplay mm -hmm. and I came to you and I said, what's, what's that one piece of advice that you would give me to start doing cosplay? Just do it. That would probably be where it starts. Don't don't fret about what you're wearing. Don't fret about what people are gonna say. Don't worry about the itty bitty little things. Um, don't sit up in the hotel room until three in the morning fussing over the little stitches. Just put it on, get out there and wear it. Because people from there's people that will go and buy something at Halloween City and wear that as their cosplay, and people love it. They take the pic, they'll take your picture. And I mean, it, it can be anything. You could be walking around in a fun t-shirt and somebody will say, I love it. Can I take your picture? And if, if you say yes, they will. And they'll be happy. And everybody, it's just a fun, accepting group. And it's all about what you project when you walk out there. If you are having a good time and you're, and you're, you're owning whatever it is you choose to wear, everybody is going to love it. It doesn't matter. And that's really the honest truth. Don't okay. worry so much about what it is. Just own whatever it is. All right. <laughs> um, now, you've said over and over that you have a cosplay website. Do you want to throw that link out there? Or do you want to throw that uh, – do you want to throw us the uh, URL? It's just – it's a page on Facebook. It's uh, My cosplayer name is just Amethyst Dawn. It's just what I go through on every uh, convention. So if you search up on Facebook, I think it's facebook.com slash uh, – amethyst dawn cosplay all one word and that's amethyst like the like the gemstone okay uh, and then dawn cosplay and then all my pictures from conventions and various other shenanigans sometimes uh uh work log videos all kinds of stuff ends up over there so okay well i want to thank you for coming on and we'll come back to you in just a minute here but i'm gonna jump off and do a little uh upkeep here and then uh, i'll be back with you okay all right, so for next week, uh, I have a gentleman coming in. His name is Tim Bishop. Uh, Tim's a buddy of mine. Um, in fact, Tim is known as my reading munchkin. And we might get into the story as to why I call him that next week. But um, 
uh, he he's the guy who we'll be talking to next. Um, this is the uh, third of of the week long uh, releases. So this will be the third that comes out the week between Christmas and New Year's, um, which gets us back on a different um, a, a different timeline as far as how quickly podcasts come out. I used to have a three week lapse, and it's going to be down to a week once we're done here. So. Um, so we'll talk to Tim. Tim will be the first episode of 2017. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, as far as mailbag, email us at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com. I didn't have any this week, um, but I'm always looking for those. And eventually they will start coming. We've had one in the past. Maybe we'll get a few more and it'll just start kind of snowballing here and we'll we'll uh, get more and more and more. And that would be kind of neat. Um and now for this final segment, this is where I bring you back in, Don. This is our quote of the day. So what I do is I, I read you a quote, and then you get to guess and tell me, uh, see if you can guess who, uh, who said it. Okay. All right, here we go. Most of the pilots I choose do not have, a high, do not have high concept ideas. So for me, it's not the idea as much as the execution of the idea. And if the idea, like you take a bar in Boston, that's not a high concept idea. But if it's well, it's, if it's executed well, it makes a great show. Any idea who might have said that? No. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that one before. Oh, my goodness. All right. So that was said by James Burroughs, who is a writer and director of shows such as Cheers, Laverne and Shirley, Night Court, Frasier, mm-hmm. Friends, Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men, and and oh my God, the list was huge. Many, many more. <laughs> uh, I just want to say happy birthday to Mr. Burroughs. He turned 76 today. Oh. And we're out. That's it. <laughs>